just isn't fair. Well, come on. Got work to do. We've got to do something. But they're going to kill her. Got him. I got him. What's the matter? Dagobah, you be more careful. Don't do that. I'm below it. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. Star Wars fans, move milkers everywhere, Wasaka Berry eaters. <laughs> welcome, welcome to episode number 179. Blast points is Jason. This is Gabe. And you demanded it the return of the Star Wars children's storybooks audio dramas. <laughs> our, our phones have been ringing off the hook. I don't, I haven't had a house phone in like 10 years, but. The old phone in the basement was ringing off the hook, wasn't even plugged in. People, I would answer it and people would be like, more storybooks, please. I walked out of my house to check the mail and just a random person yelling from across the street. When are you guys going to do more, more kids storybook episodes? <laughs> there were owls dropping letters on my porch. It's like, oh, it's Harry Potter stuff. Nope. They wanted more Star Wars storybook episodes. Well, because you demanded it. <laughs> We're back. We're doing the immortal classics, the Star Wars EU staples, the Maverick Moon and the Mystery of the Rebellious Robot. The the OG EU. They're they're weird. They're awesome. They're they're ripe Star Wars fruit sitting on the vine, just waiting to be picked. <laughs> They've been ripe for forty years. They but they still taste so sweet. Uh, and you know, hey, like radio drama style podcast that's all the rage now right that's what people like people listen to like stories like oldie timey actors doing radio dramas like <laughs> they made a dooku book and it's only available as a radio drama so there's got to be at least a few people who'd still like that stuff so yeah. which i think was inspired by our wookie storybook episode i i like i like to think so I am looking forward to diving into the Maverick Moon and the mystery of the rebellious robot. If you can believe it, there's a little bit of history on this. Some stuff that we missed back when we did our Wookiee Storybook episode, which I can't believe that we did. But so there, there's a Star Wars Insider old back issue, issue number 74, the March-April 2004 issue, had an article called Wasaka Berries and Monster Ships. 
by Craig Carey and Vic Wirtz. Bless you, both of you, for... (laughs) It's the stuff we wanted to know. So going back to that area between 1978 and 1986, the Star Wars Expanded Universe, if you even want to call it that, was a very, very different type of thing. There was Alan Dean Foster's Splinter of the Mind's Eye. If you were over the age of 10 and you liked Star Wars, you had that. But for everyone else... That was kind of, you know, George, I made the made it for the seven-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, the three-year-olds, the babies. I made it for babies. You had a lot of Star Wars books for kids. They all came out in like, what, 1979? So a couple years after A New Hope came out. And if you went to go see Star Wars and you wanted to know what happened to Luke next, here's the Maverick Moon. <laughs> If you're delirious, just waiting and waiting for Empire to come out, and finally there's some new Star Wars content. <laughs> it's got C-3PO in a hand truck getting pushed around in a spaceship. I don't know if Empire is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to know what what happened to C-3PO next? He had uh, the mystery of the rebellious robot. You want to know what happens to Chewbacca next? You got the Wookiee storybook. That's all right there. What else? I mean, basically, what else do you need? Just a little taste to get you hyped for Empire. Get the Star Wars fever back. But just think, too, also, this time between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, it was just wide open. People just do whatever you wanted, right? Like, who knew what was going to, like, where did people go next? I don't know. Luke becomes a member of Shanana or something. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Red five standing by. Yeah, it's kind of sad, sad for all the all the like book on record, book on tape Star Wars stories that came out that none of them had like new musical numbers in them. Right? There wasn't like a Cantina band story with all new songs or Max Rebo story with all new songs. You know, yeah, say I'm shocked that there wasn't and there should have been. There should have been like a Max Rebo band album. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that there wasn't. Because it's like Sesame, Sesame Street had a, their Saturday Night Fever album and all their albums. Like Sesame Street was doing it. I don't know why Star Wars. Yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't like a Cantina band album. You, I don't know. Maybe they were just like, yeah, Miko did it. Let him do it. It's never too late. Come on, Disney. It's never too late. They're still burned by Christmas in the stars. We can't go back there. The only thing missing from Galaxy's Edge is a record store where you can only buy in-universe albums. If that existed, I would be like, I don't even care about the Rise of Resistance or whatever. I'd be like, how much is a, a round-trip ticket to California? Let's go. Let's go to the Galaxy's Edge record store. We can buy a, a 45 single of zeb rocks and then (laughs) go get the whole double lp of whatever band plays zeb rocks in star wars universe if i start walking to florida now i'll get there by the time the one in orlando opens (laughs) former editor random house stephanie spinner she admitted in this article in insider that most of the stories that they were the star wars stuff they were doing were pretty fluffy and simple stories but she says that lucasfilm went over everything that they published very carefully, even back then, which Wookiee Storybook maybe makes sense in the holiday special canon timeline, but these two we're about to get into, 
was kind of weird, but <laughs> I guess in this article in 2004, Random House says they were thinking about reissuing these books in some format, but obviously that never happened, which is a real shame. It is a shame. I think we've, we bring this up all the time. It's like, why, I don't know why all these books aren't at least reissued as iPhone books or iOS books or something like that. Like it just, a, just do a digital version. And especially the ones that had records that came with them. I would buy them all to have them on my iPad. There's these two books. There's the Wookiee storybook, but then there's also the rebel mission to Ord Mantell, which was written by Brian Daly, which is a completely original star Wars radio drama before there was the radio dramas of an original story which we did a whole episode on very early on. I don't even remember what the number was. And then there's also a ton of Ewok books that came out. Like there's the adventures of Tebow, which was written and illustrated by Joe Johnston, which is amazing. Then there's eight more Ewok books that came out with, uh, incredible titles like The Baby Ewoks Picnic Surprise and Wicket Goes Fishing. That's what the fans want. And the fans get what the fans want. If you look into the crystal ball blast points there, <laughs> I think one day The Baby Ewoks Picnic Surprise and Wicket Goes Fishing, The Adventures of Tebow, <laughs> I think all could be in the pipeline one day. Pretty good chance I think that might happen, yeah. And probably now one episode, multiple episodes. <laughs> Each book needs at least a two-parter. The Baby Ewoks Picnic Surprise, part two. I mean, it's going to be a long wait after Rise of Skywalker and any new movie. So we got to... <laughs> Those two or three years are going to be going to be slow. Star Wars fans, Move Milkers, welcome to episode 620. The Baby Ewoks Picnic Surprise, part four. <laughs> The whole thing kicked off, though, with 1979's Maverick Moon and Mystery of the Rebellious Robot. And both were written by the same person, Eleanor Earnhardt. She also wrote the Wookiee storybook. These books all had different illustrators, but Eleanor Earnhardt, I don't think she is talked about enough with her contribution to Star Wars history. I don't think she's talked about at all, actually. You know, as... Sometimes insane and hilarious and ridiculous these these some some of the stuff in these books are. I mean, like we said, it was nineteen seventy-nine. They didn't know what was going on. Star Wars EU did not exist. The rules of Star Wars didn't exist yet, which is partially what makes these books so much fun. Eleanor Earnhardt, I think along with like Gloria Katz and Marsha Lucas and some of the vastly underrated uh early women con Contributors to the Star Wars galaxy, Eleanor Earnhardt is right up there with them, I think, because she was she was the first woman to create new original content in Star Wars literature. She's a Star Wars pioneer. Yeah, this was the only new Star Wars after A New Hope, other than the holiday special. Yeah, and there was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. She, she wrote the first Star Wars children's books, too. Very much a Star Wars pioneer, like we said. And she, before Star Wars, she wrote uh, a bunch of nonfiction books about poetry. Uh, she wrote a lot of children's books. And she was a contributing writer to the classic Star Wars storybook, the story of the film, that big, awesome hardcover book that everyone had. So 
We salute you, Eleanor Earnhardt. I think it's time, but let's start with the thrilling audio drama of The Maverick Moon. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to our Wookiee Storybook episode, what we're going to do here, of course, is an audio drama version of Eleanor Earnhardt's Star Wars The Maverick Moon. It may seem hard to believe, but we're doing all the voices ourselves. (laughs) We're not calling, calling in outside actors. So join us now as we present to you Star Wars The Maverick Moon. In another time, in a faraway galaxy, there lived a young man named Luke Skywalker. He was a student at the New Academy for Space Pilots, and already he was one of the best young pilots in the solar system. All right, so so after what we're saying here is after A New Hope, Luke went... He went to the Academy for Space Pilots? I guess. Having a degree was very important to him. (laughs) It was like, even though he he already had a job, he just really wanted that degree. (laughs) Enough with your rebellion. I've got to go to the Academy. All right. I need more training. You need a teacher. (laughs) People are like, Luke, you blew up the Death Star. I think you got this piloting thing down pat. I don't know. Luke and his classmates, the planetary pioneers, were training for a special mission. They were going to fly young men and women, the smartest and strongest and most talented, to uninhabited planets. So it's like he's going back to school, but it's like school to learn how to help people better. That makes sense. Like Maybe. I guess. I mean, there's still the galactic civil war against the Empire, but... Well, maybe in 79, everyone thought the Empire was done. The Death Star blew up. Vader's lost in space, right? Everything's cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, New Hope works as a standalone movie. The good guys win at the end. What, we hear one line about the Emperor, Emperor, so. Vader might have been, he might have been lying. There's no emperor. Just a ventriloquist dummy that the that the that Vader had. The, the emperor. The emperor is his imaginary friend. Yeah, just a trick, Tarkin. There, they would help build new colonies founded on peace, justice, and goodwill toward their fellow members of the galaxy. Okay, that's kind of cool. We got a great, really cool drawing or illustration of Luke on a land speeder flying through. Toronto or something. If Toronto was on Camino. Okay, it looks like he's going to a city in the original Star Trek, too. Kirk, this is the colony of tomorrow in the clouds. We only know love and we're ruled by a supercomputer. One morning, Luke raced toward the Academy at breakneck speed. His good friend, Princess Leia Organa, was coming to visit the Academy. Luke wanted to be there when she arrived so he could show her some of the Pioneers' exciting plans. I still just can't believe after A New Hope. According to Maverick Moon, Luke just took off. He's all about training. He just wants to be better. He just wants to help people. He just wanted to take some, just a couple classes. 
<laughs> just to brush up on some stuff. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's totally fine. Yeah, you know, sometimes sometimes you just want to make yourself better. When Luke reached the academy, he hopped out of his land speeder. Some of his friends waved or called good morning. All of them smiled. They knew why Luke was in such a hurry. Princess Leia had arrived. Although she was one of the youngest members of the intergalactic government, she was well known to everyone. Luke proudly showed Princess Leia around the academy. He told her about the work of the planetary pioneers. Some of us will be building homes and schools and power stations, he said. Right now, we are planning to use our powerful zucomium rays in the power stations. Instead of being used for war and destruction, zucomium will provide energy for our colonies. It sounds terrific, Luke, said Leia. Suddenly, a screaming siren pierced the orderly hum of the academy hallways. That siren meant emergency. Luke and Leia raced to the office of General Olson, Luke's favorite instructor. What's wrong? asked Luke. The general quickly explained the emergency. A small moon from a nearby system had been blasted out of its orbit. No one knew how or why. The moon was surrounded by a powerful magnetic field. None of the Academy's sensors could pierce it. Now the Maverick moon was on a collision course, traveling at well beyond light speed, and it was headed their way. We'll be meeting in the conference room in five minutes, said General Olson. I'd like you to be there, Luke. Man, so the story's starting to get serious. And now the artwork is starting to get serious. <laughs> let's let's talk about this illustration of General General Olson. <laughs> yeah, General Olson does not look like he's messing around. Uh, he might be played by Michael Keaton. I think <laughs> this is like 19, 1979 Michael Keaton, his appearance in Star Wars in the Maverick Moon, or like Phil Collins. I don't know, <laughs> he's got like a perm and a ascot. He's Luke's favorite instructor. I like him. He seems really nice. Luke and Leia hurried to the conference room. And there's this little uh, panel. Luke and Leia are holding hands. So it's 1979. Maybe that's why Luke was excited. He didn't know any better. Leia's coming to visit me at the Academy. Hooray! An enormous monitor in the conference room was tracking the course of the Maverick Moon. Its path was obvious to everyone. In just a few hours, the Maverick Moon would collide with them, blowing the Academy, and indeed, the whole planet, to smithereens. Yeah, this this illustration on this page, this monitor is huge. It's because there's like all these like little like Academy people watching this monitor down at the bottom. It's like, a, it's like Gareth Edwards directed this book. Giant things and little tiny things. Maybe he did. We don't know. Maybe he did. He Maybe he read this book a lot as a kid. I wouldn't be surprised. I kind of wish the Death Star screen in Rogue One was this big, but I guess they were kind of stuck with the, the scale from New Hope. He might have had a meeting, you know, with Kathy Kennedy and Carrie Hart and everybody. He's like, what I really want to do, the Maverick Moon. I've got a copy of it here in my backpack. <laughs> 
We don't have time to evacuate the planet, said General Olson. Besides, we don't have enough spaceships to take everyone to safety. We still have our old fighter planes, said Luke. And we can use the power we've developed with our zirconium rays to blow that maverick moon right off the star map. General Olson looked thoughtful. Even if those old ships will still fly, you couldn't get close enough to blast that moon. The magnetic field is impossible to penetrate. I'd like to try it, said Luke. It's our only hope, said Leia. Go ahead and try it, Luke, said General Olson. So this this page has got kind of your, your standard Star Wars control room. They're pointing at a big glowing table thing. Luke and Leia are holding hands again. <laughs> the whole time, what are you two doing holding hands? <laughs> they are, they're wearing matching belts that they got at the Academy. Man, if that's General Olsen, it's like his hair is falling out over the as this book goes on. He's so stressed out. I'm stressed out. There's a moon crashing in. It's going to kill everybody. I ain't got time for hair, and you two are holding hands like a couple lovebirds. <laughs> Luke went to find his friends, C-3PO, and R2-D2. <laughs> Where are they? Are they just hanging around? Oh, my God. These extraordinary robots had helped him before, and he knew they were in excellent working condition. I'll get R2 ready for the flight, sir, said 3PO. Little R2's lights blinked on and off as he beeped and whistled his eagerness to help Luke. <laughs> Luke's X-Wing fighter plane was brought to the hangar. This is, wait, Luke was saying those old fighter jets in the beginning of the book. So he was talking about his X-Wing? I guess. Those old pieces of junk. Do they still work? <laughs> what? They, they kind of looked like they didn't work in the last one. So this is 1979's Wild Times. Nobody knew if any of this stuff was coming back. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Maybe there's gonna be maybe there's gonna be all new ships in the Empire Strikes Back. Well, there were there were the snow speeders. Yeah, right. We didn't really get a lot of X wing action till Jedi. So in Jedi, we had A wings and B wings and all kinds of crazy stuff. So anyway, Luke's X wing fighter plane was brought to the hangar. R two was lifted into the cockpit. Several of Luke's classmates were also getting their planes ready. How did I get myself into this? Luke said to himself. Just then, he heard a familiar voice inside his head. <laughs> Trust in the false, Luke. It was the voice of his old friend and teacher, Ben Kenobi, a brave Jedi Knight. Ben had trained Luke to use a special power called the Force. Luke had almost forgotten that. I forgot about all that. Yeah, I guess uh, after A New Hope, he fell down some stairs and hit his head. He <laughs> totally forgot about the previous uh, motion picture experience, Star Wars. <laughs> I guess I better go back to the Academy. <laughs> he's, he's been talking to, to Owen and Bruce Skeleton for the past two months. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, you, you, two don't, you two don't talk much anymore. I guess I better go to the Academy. Oh, yeah, the Force. That's right. Ben said something about that, but I can't remember what it was all about. No, whatever. Now he jumped into his plane as 3PO waved farewell. It's really weird that they just call them planes, but I guess 
they look like planes. They got wings and jets and cockpits. That's the thing. In 1979, there was no, like, the vocabulary. Fighters and it's a couple weird little robots. Look at that. I don't know. See, we need a Star Wars movie where they call it, somebody just calls droids robots. Look at all these robots and googly eyes and all this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> if, if, when I go to Galaxy's Edge, I'm like, man, where's all the robots? That's my favorite. Uh, going to the droid depot. Oh, here's all the robots. All right, good. Now I'm good. Then Luke and his crew of brave young pilots took off in the direction of the Maverick Moon. As they neared the moon, a shrill, screaming sound seemed to fill their ears. The fighter planes started to shake uncontrollably. Violent waves of color surrounded them. The magnetic field was so strong that not one of the planes could get through it. Yeah, the illustrator on this book was a guy, Walter Wright. It's pretty cool. It's got a really neat 70s kind of look to it somehow. Like all these books kind of do. It's like the style of illustration that's just 70s. I don't know. It's hard to describe. But I think that's one of the cool things is, yeah, even though it's the same author, the, the different artists all have different styles, but they're all very kind of outrageous 70s over-the-top colors. And when we, when we get to Mystery of the Rebellious Robot, it gets really weird. <laughs> The force is with you, said the powerful voice inside Luke's head. By themselves now, Luke and R2 plunged on. Suddenly, Luke Skywalker broke through the magnetic field. He found himself in a shaky orbit around the Maverick Moon. Prepare to fire the Zirconian rays, Luke shouted to R2. We'll have to get out of here in a split second. The zirconium rays were aimed at the center of the moon. Luke squeezed down on the firing lever. It was a direct hit. The impact of the exploding moon sent Luke's plane reeling out of control. R2's lights blinked on and off as his circuits blew. Desperately, Luke tried to regain control, but he didn't have to worry. The Force was with him. The special power he could not explain protected him and steered him free from danger. I really like that Luke goes from, in in Star Wars, shooting the tiniest exhaust port on the Death Star (laughs) to, in this book, just having to hit a giant moon. (laughs) Like, if he hits anywhere on the moon, he's cool. Just taking it easy. He, like, went to community college. Good thing I took this class. I almost forgot about the Force. And now I remember everything. <laughs> if Obi-Wan was just like, Luke, it's kind of important you remember the Force. <laughs> like, seriously, remember I told you about your father and all that? No, no you don't remember? Oh. <laughs> do you remember I'm dead? Do you at least remember that part? Do you remember, do you remember how I disappeared fighting that guy in the black mask? Do you remember any of that, Luke? <laughs> When Luke and R2-D2 returned to the hangar, the entire population of the Academy was there to greet them with yells and cheers. <laughs> According to this last page, there's like four people. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's four people showed up. Ooh. 
<laughs> C-3PO and R2-D2 are there, so that's fine. Leia and, and 3PO kind of look like the aliens from uh, Close Encounters or something. They're like super stretched out and tall in the end here. That illustration was done kind of quick. Happiest of all were their good friends, Princess Leia and C-3PO. Princess Leia placed a Medal of Honor around Luke's neck. Now we can get back to work, said Luke, feeling a little embarrassed. I'm glad that you and the Planetary Pioneers will be able to continue your work, said Leia. But I'm even happier that you're alive and safe. Also, Leia carries medals with her wherever she goes, because she just went to go visit Luke. She just gives out medals like people give a stick of gum. <laughs> this medal's great, too, because it's like it's got like the red, white, and blue strap on it. It's like an Olympic medal or something. That's just one. Yeah, she just like had it laying around. Little secret. Every time Luke does something good, now he expects a medal. <laughs> or he forgot about the last medal, so she just keeps giving him the same medal over and over again. <laughs> From this pretty lady who I just met today. I never got one of these before. Well, that was Maverick Moon. It was thrilling. It was exciting. It was shocking. It's kind of the original Force Awakens. Right, where it's just a little bit of new hope, but just a little bit different. Well, let's let's move on to the mystery of the rebellious robot. Let's see what's what's happening in that. In a distant galaxy, in another time, a pilot named Han Solo pointed his starship, the Millennium Falcon, toward the desert planet of Tatooine. Han and his co-pilot a Wookiee named Chewbacca, were returning there with some much-needed supplies for their friend, Luke Skywalker. Tatooine was suffering a severe drought, so Luke and a crew of scientists and engineers were building a super evaporator there. It would supply Tatooine, Luke's home planet, with the water it needed to survive. On board the Falcon, Chewbacca was playing planetary poker, with a clever little robot named R2-D2. Suddenly, R2's computer monitor went dead. He stopped playing. Chewbacca didn't like being ignored, especially when he was winning a game. He let out a stream of angry noises to attract Han Solo's attention. Forget that silly game, Chewie, said Han. It's been a while since that robot was worked on. He could probably use some oil. Hurry, we're approaching Tatooine, and I need your help to land the ship. So now this book's starting to to give you a hint of the wild art style. The drugs are kicking in. <laughs> Everything's painted with rainbows. Google, when you get done listening to this, or if you're near a computer or whatever, Google search just the mystery of the rebellious robot and just get a sample of some of the art in this. This was illustrated by a guy, Mark Cochran. And wherever he is now, thank you, Mark Cochran, because this book is beautiful. Yeah, this is like the holiday special Boba Fett cartoon before the holiday special Boba Fett cartoon. Chewbacca looked around the ship, whining and growling all the while. Finally, he found a can of oil they had picked up the last time they were on Tatooine. He carefully shot a few drops of oil 
onto all of Artu's joints. With a burst of blinking lights and a stream of bleeps and beeps, R2-D2's monitor came back on. He rocked back and forth, seemingly out of control. As Chewie jumped back to get out of his way, the berserk robot spun around and raced to the master computer controls of the Millennium Falcon. The the Chewbacca reactions in the background are great. Yeah, well, just the first page, too, of Chewbacca actually holding just like a little oil can. <laughs> just, and his has got crazy werewolf hands. <sighs> so good. Before Chewie or Han could stop the little robot... He plugged into the controls and turned the starship upside down. Then the ship began turning wild somersaults. Stunned, Solo and Chewie held onto their seats. Han was an experienced pilot, but try as he might, he could not gain control of his ship. So he put an urgent call for help to Luke Skywalker on Tatooine. So this is basically the unused photo from solo where everyone got like electrocuted hair 1979 they had that shot right here with chewy's hair sticking up because i guess they're upside down in space i wonder if that like we you know we thought that was them being electrocuted but i wonder if that was them flying upside down right it it could have been maybe in the falcon maybe if they had them like flying on a planet or something? Or maybe it was part of the Kessel Run. They just wanted a live-action version of this this page. Lord Miller and uh, Ron Howard's favorite Star Wars book. Luke Skywalker watched his monitor closely as he tried to take ground-to-space control of the troubled ship. I cannot understand it, sir, said C-3PO, the mild-mannered robot who had been R2's interpreter and companion for many years. R2 has never acted like this before. I don't understand it either, 3PO, said Luke. I checked R2 myself before the Falcon left. But I can't do anything from down here. I'll have to go up there and help them down. Luke ordered his own plane to be brought to the hangar and quickly got ready to make an emergency rescue in space. So if we're going by Maverick Moon canon, is Luke done with the Academy at this point? He's still got his plane, the X-Wing? Yeah, I would say this has to be, this is after he graduated from the Academy. Maybe before Wookiee Storybook? So for all we know, the Academy could have been like a week. It was like Academy camp or something for two weeks. And he just brought R2 and 3PO with him. I mean, okay, okay, that all makes sense. All right. All right. The picture on this, our first introduction to 3PO, where he's literally just hands up, freaking out. And then our introduction to Luke is just like the back of his hair. Like we don't even see his face or just see the back. He's like watching a TV screen. That's all you need. You see the back and his blonde hair. It's Luke Skywalker. And I think he's still wearing, he's wearing his orange jumpsuit with his yellow uh, Yavin jacket over it. It's a good look. You know, you got a good look, you stick with it. Luke was the son of a Jedi Knight. (laughs) One of the good and just warriors of the old days. Like the Jedi Knights, Luke had been trained to use a special power called the Force. 
Though he did not yet know how to use its full power, he trusted his instincts and let the force take over. With the help of the mysterious force, Luke Skywalker reached the Millennium Falcon and guided it back to Tatooine. The illustration on this page, it's a close-up of the visor of Luke's X-Wing helmet. <laughs> What's going on here? I think he's seeing the future, and he's seeing the end of Return of the Jedi when the Falcon flies out of the fire of the Death Star. <laughs> it's what he's seeing in his visor. <laughs> or it's the it's your head starting to catch on fire reading this book. So, yeah, this is definitely after Maverick Moon because he remembers what the Force is. So... Okay, so yeah, this makes sense. We're moving along, and we're going to get to The Empire Strikes Back, where if you've read Maverick Moon and then Rebellious Robot, by the time Empire starts and Luke's calling to his saber in the Wampa Cave, if you're a little kid, you're just like, yeah, I know this because I read the books. Back on the ground, Han Solo shook Luke's hand while Chewie stood by grinning. We couldn't have done without you, kid, said Han. For a minute there, I thought we were all goners. I was glad I could help you, said Luke with a smile. Besides, we need those supplies for the super evaporator. We've been having all kinds of problems here. Luke asked 3PO to take R2-D2 to maintenance to be checked out. We're having a conference in just a few minutes, Han. I'd like you and Chewie to come along to give a report on all the trouble you had with R2, said Luke. Yeah, this book is kind of crazy because they never... Maybe later, but they never get close to Luke. So it's like we get tiny Luke shaking hands with Han. It, you know, it's also, it's like Force Awakens before Force Awakens. Can't get too close to Luke. Luke Skywalker wasn't available for this book, so they got a stand-in and they never they never showed his face. It's like the Bruce Lee cardboard cutout. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, all the best scientists and technicians on Tatooine were talking in the conference room. Though they had checked all possible systems, not one of them could discover the cause of all the mechanical problems. In the past week, computers had been breaking down, robots had gone haywire and rebelled, machine parts had been stolen or fooled with. Worst of all, the crew working on the Vaporator project had found that several of the most important pieces had simply disappeared. Someone was obviously trying to wreck the project but no one had been able to find out who. So this is just like a bunch of weird-looking science guys. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole bunch of Dodonas. <laughs> yeah. If you're wondering what, yeah, what, the, what the Tatooine scientists look like, imagine a whole group of Dodonas, a whole bunch of old, old Yavin dudes. Yeah. I think they have, a, they have a band that plays on the weekends called the Dodonas. Everyone listened as Han Solo described what had happened to R2-D2 aboard the Millennium Falcon. Finally, Captain Egoreg, <laughs> leader of the Vaporator Project, shook his head sadly. We cannot find a cause for all those mechanical failures, he said. I'm afraid we're going to have to give up our plans to bring water and new life to Tatooine. But we can't give up, cried Princess Leia a young member of the intergalactic government. The people of Tatooine need our help, too. Suddenly, in a flash of light and smoke, the conference room exploded. <laughs> so, again, we can't see Luke Skywalker's face because it's a stunt double. Chewbacca's doing the, like, 
the devil horns symbol with his hand for some reason. <laughs> He's just like rock and roll. <laughs> He's trying to talk to Captain Egoreg about his Dodonna's show over the weekend. He's like, you guys rock. And then there's just a panel of of the explosion of someone's like legs exploding <laughs> in smoke. It's so weird. It's a, little, it's a little dark. It's a little dark. Luckily, no one was seriously injured, though they were all quite shaken up. Captain Egoreg immediately ordered everyone to stop work on the Vaporator project. I'll be the first one out of here, cried Han Solo. This place has gone crazy. 3PO seemed to be worse off than the others. He was rushed down to maintenance for repairs. As John Lennon shows up basically and puts 3PO on a hand truck and carts him off to maintenance. How crazy this book is getting. That's the way it goes. Chewbacca gets hit in the head with a rock. That's the way it goes. If you ever wanted to see C-3PO in a hand truck, The Mystery of the Rebellious Robot is the book for you. R2-D2 was still there, shut down and waiting to be serviced. 3PO had decided to take a refreshing oil bath. He came out of the bath feeling even worse than he had right after the explosion. When he tried to speak to R2, no words came out. Another R2 unit, a maintenance robot, quickly plugged in his own computer into one of 3PO's checkpoint terminals. His lights started blinking on and off, and he bleeped and beeped excitedly. He had discovered 3PO's problem. The oil supply was badly contaminated. Then he checked R2 and found that his problem was oil contamination too. The maintenance robot quickly cleared the systems of R2 and 3PO. The three robots hurried to tell Captain Igoreg what they had found out. But as they passed through the next room, they surprised a small group of Jawas. (coughs) The subhuman inhabitants of Tatooine. They were gibbering as they worked, and their red eyes glowed under their cloaks. Good to see Jawas making an appearance in here. And we have 3PO with, like, creepy red eyes and R2. It's like eyes glowing. I like that Mystery of the Rebellious Robot, is. it starts as, like, what you think it's going to be, like, a Han Solo adventure. And then we go to Tatooine, and now it's like, it's like an episode of Droids now or something. This is, like, the most representative of the future of Star Wars expanded universe (laughs) of the three books, maybe. The robots rushed forward, startling the Jawas, who ran in every direction. In the scuffle, 3PO and the maintenance robot were knocked to the floor. Luckily, R2 managed to hook up with an alarm and send out a call for help. Chewbacca, Luke, and Han Solo were the first to answer the call. They ran to maintenance and bumped into the wildly fleeing Jawas. Catch him, Chewie, shouted Han. This picture of angry Chewie chasing Jawas and Han looking like he just could care less. It's like, yeah, go get him, Chewie. I'm tired. (laughs) With an ear-splitting roar, Chewie leaped through the air, catching all the frightened creatures in one swoop. Everyone knew that the Jawas made their living selling old machines and used robots as junk. 
but they had become greedy for bigger profits. They started stealing mechanical parts and selling them to the innocent farmers on Tatooine. Finally, the Jawas found that good machines could be turned into junk more quickly if they fooled with the parts and contaminated the oil the machines ran on. And that is just what they had been up to. Now they would be punished. And the work on the super evaporator would continue as planned. <laughs> it, was, it was those pesky Jawas all along. If it wasn't for you Jawas, we could have gotten our super evaporators going. This kind of makes me sad we never really got to see Chewie interacting with Jawas in the movies. No, yeah, no, we didn't. Well, there's still time. Street Beat says there's going to be Jawas in the Mandalorian, so maybe we'll get a Wookiee Jawa action in Mandalorian. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about, too, that the, they keep having Wookiee bounty hunters in the comics. Yeah, mm-hmm. We have it. Maybe we'll get one in Mandalorian. Chewie gave a growl of pleasure when Princess Leia presented him with a reward for his bravery. Han Solo patted him proudly on the back. As for Luke, C-3PO, and R2-D2, they were just happy that the mystery was solved and all the trouble was over. And there you get Luke Skywalker's face. Yeah. Or it's the singer for Cheap Trick. I'm not sure which. <laughs> Have you ever seen Luke and the singer from Cheap Trick in the same place at the same time? <laughs> Reading this, I couldn't stop laughing thinking about it. It is like, what if they just kept that in the films that like Leia's whole thing is giving people medals and like at the end of Empire, like Luke gets his robot hand. And then as they're watching the Falcon fly away, Leia gives him another medal. <laughs> and you see Lando and Chewie have medals on and. <laughs> In the Falcon. In the Force Awakens, when everyone waves goodbye to the Falcon, uh, everyone in the Resistance has a medal on. Ray has a medal on. In the end of Jedi, everyone's got medals on at the party, and then Leia walks up and tries to put a medal on the Force ghosts. End of Last Jedi, Ray's got the broken lightsaber. Leia, we have everything we need. Give her a medal. <laughs> Just puts a medal on her. Those are some fantastic books. Eleanor Earnhardt, you know how to write some Star Wars. Thank you for those amazing books. I hope you had a good time with our fantastic audio dramas. Stay tuned for the adventures of Tebow <laughs> and the baby Ewok picnic. Wicked goes fishing. Definitely, if you come across these books, they're usually pretty cheap to pick up. I don't think we've ever been at a celebration where we didn't actually see these books for sale. You always can find these books for sale and yeah like you said they're not expensive at all so just until they get reissued in some way shape or form pick them up because the art in them is incredible and they're a little little piece of star wars history This is actor and creature performer Details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're listening to Blast Points Podcast with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you. It's the new Star Wars Land of the Jawas that you put together. Action figures sold separately. You can move the action lever and make the Jawa capture R2-D2. R2, are you all right? What are they doing to you? You can raise the elevator and make R2-D2 disappear into the sand crawler. Hang on, R2. I'm right behind you. Me too. 
Skinner's new Star Wars Land of the Jawas. Action figures each sold separately. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Apple Podcast Reviews say it every single week. If you listen on some sort of Apple device when you're done listening to this episode, go over there, leave us a review, and write a little something, and we'll read it on an upcoming show. We've got a couple that we we know we have on there that we're going to get to pretty soon. And don't forget to check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for the Blast Points Super Chill Group on Facebook. And if you like the show, you want to help us out, we have our Patreon. You can join the Blast Points Army and get some bonus episodes as well. Spider-Man Far From Home review on there, and there'll be a commentary coming on there pretty soon, in a matter of days, I think, right? By the time this episode comes out. So. Yep. But that about wraps up episode number 179 here, The Maverick Moon, Mystery of the Rebellious Robot. Spoiler alert, it was all about Jawas. Those little troublemakers. Uh, We'll be back next week with another all-new episode. Looking forward to it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Oh, wait, that's Luke. Now we can get back. Wait, wait. I'll be the first one out of here. Wait, no, wait. That's, that was a mix. I hope when people think of us, they think that we're in excellent working condition. That's all we can hope for at this point. Are you still there? May the force be with all of you.